Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And God wants to bless you, He wants you to inherit a blessing. That's what he's designed for you, a blessing. And all I have to do is believe and trust in him and obey him. When he says not to do something, I need to, with all my might, I need to turn away from that thing, whatever it is. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. Even with the Spirit of God in me, you know as well as I do, there are things that happen in your life, triggers that happen in your life, old sin habits in your life that are triggered by certain things and you find yourself tempted right to the edge and you feel like you're just going to cave right into it and you hear a small, still, small voice in your head saying, don't do it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study for today on Truth in Christ Radio. As Pastor Rob guides us through chapter 17 of the book of Deuteronomy, he reviews some of the instructions that God continues to give the Jewish people after their entrance into the Promised Land. These specific instructions lay the foundation of how God expresses what His will is regarding worship and judgment. As students of the Bible, we know that God doesn't give instructions for any reason. Remember, we are to obey God and leave the consequences to Him. Let's follow Pastor Rob as he leads us through today's scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 17 tonight, and last week we finished up chapter 16, and we only finished like the last three verses, the last four verses of Deuteronomy chapter 16. And what I thought we could do is let's just read through that to kind of get in context where we were last week. And remember again, this is Moses uh, speaking a sermon, basically, and reminding the children of Israel uh, the things that had happened in the past uh, for them, because they're right on the cusp of going into the Promised Land. They're right there on the east side of the Jordan River, and they are kind of camped out there, and Moses is rehearsing for them all the wonderful things that God had done through their desert wanderings, which should have only taken about a week and a half to get from from Egypt over to Canaan in that area of Canaan, but it took them 40 years. And the reason it took them 40 years is because God was proving them. He was testing them out in the desert. And God tests not so that he can gain information, He knows exactly what's in the heart of man. So he doesn't test us. He doesn't allow us to go through things so that he can learn anything. But isn't it true that when we go through difficulties, we are the ones who learn something. We learn about ourselves. And we also learn about the faithfulness and the forgiveness of God. And to me, that is one of the greatest things that a human being could ever know, is to to know the depths of God's character. Think of David. 
you know, going through what he went through. I mean, here's a man who uh, had been prophesied all the way back in Isaiah chapter 11, I believe it was, the stem out of, out of, out of Jesse. I mean, we know that ultimately that was, that was Jesus Christ, but through the line of Judah, all the way through uh, David and, and then on to Jesus Christ, the, the line of Judah. And, and, to, and to think that there's David now in, in the greatest country at that time, the only uh, theocracy, Israel, and to think that God had put him over all of that, and then to think that David, in a moment of weakness, could commit adultery, and, and not only commit adultery, but then murder um, Bathsheba's husband to cover up a pregnancy. And to think that out of all that, which most of us have an experience in the flesh, you may have thought things, and Jesus said, if you've thought it, you've done it, Right? And that's why it's so important what we take in and through our ears and our eyes and what's going on in here, it's, it's really important. But even David went to the extra level and he put in a practice not only what he was thinking, but he actually followed through with it in action. And out of all of that, David could say, I know God has forgiven me. And, and to know that God had forgiven him. But there were consequences, weren't there? God told the prophet Nathan to tell him, David, you've given great occasion for the enemies of Israel to blaspheme the God of Israel. And as a result of this, David, that child that's born of Bathsheba will surely die, and the sword will not depart from your household. And David had problems for the rest of his life. But one thing that David did know is he knew the grace of God, he knew the forgiveness of God, and he knew the restoration of God. And even though he wasn't quite the same, he treaded in waters that most of us hopefully will never have to go through of that despair and, and that, you know, even though he knew he was forgiven, to know that he really blew it and to see the repercussions of those choices that he made being meted out in his own family and in the lives of the Israelites, that is a humbling road and that is a road that God planned and allowed for him. It wasn't his perfect will, but God saw David's heart and he knew that he was still a man after God's own heart because when David did those things, he, he cracked like an egg. He cracked like an egg, and he, he gave it up. And he said, Lord, I have, I'm guilty of this sin. And you know, that's the best thing you can do when you sin is to confess it and to ask God to forgive you. And you know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's something you've got to hold on to because each one of us today have sinned. Whether in action or in word or in some deed, every one of us in this room have sinned. And it's all, it always is good for us at night, or as often as we can, as often as you know that you have sinned, it's always good to confess it on the spot and say, God, forgive me. And you know what? He will. He will. You plead the blood of Christ over that sin, and it's gone. Because he honors the blood of his son. He honors his very own blood, because he wasn't just a man on the cross. That was Almighty God on the cross, hung, suspended between heaven and, and earth for us, our mediator. And so Moses, they're there on the east side, and they're about ready to go over, and so he's talking to them, and he's rehearsing for them these things. And look, let's look at uh, verse 18 of chapter 16, and we'll just get into chapter 17, and we're just going to read down through part of chapter 17, and then we're going to go back and look at it, because it's good to get this in context so we can understand what's happening. 
So in verse 18 of chapter 16, it says, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice, and you shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise, and it twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, and what, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image. And we looked at this last week about how this wooden image is really a, a, a sacred pole that they would use to worship false gods. It was to worship the goddess Ashtara or Ashtoreth. It was a, a female deity in Canaan at that time. And they learned about this deity and they started to worship it. And God had told them not to do it. And we looked at that. He says, you shall not set up a sacred pillar, which the Lord your God hates. He hates those things. And why does God hate idolatry? Why did God hate them worshiping another God? Was it because God was jealous? Was it because God was so full of himself that he couldn't stand the thought of somebody else getting more glory than him? No, it's not that at all. You see, God is the God of all things. He created every single thing. Jehovah God, the creator God. There's only one God. The Bible tells us there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus Christ. But there's only one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all one. That's one God. Not one plus one plus one equals three, but one times one times one equals one. There's one God, and he created all things. And he knows that anything that we do Anything that we worship other than him is ultimately going to lead us down a path that is death. Because when we worship anything that is not perfect, we become like that thing that we worship. And, and, and God knows that because he created us. He created us with an innate desire to want to worship. When we, even the aborigines out in, the, you know, in Africa... Or wherever there may, may be an, a group of people who have maybe never seen civilization, if there is such a group on the planet now, they look up and they see the order of things. They see the sun coming up the same way every single time, rising in the east and setting in the west. In certain seasons, they know that this whole thing, this whole orb we call earth, spins. And now we can see certain celestial patterns in the skies. And it's over here at one time of the season, and now it's over here because we're in a different part of the season. They know that. They look up and, they, and, and, and Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. You look at it under a microscope a blade of grass, and you zoom that in, an electron microscope, and you zoom in two or 3,000 times, and you, the, the farther and the deeper you get into it, the more you're gonna, your jaw is going to hit the ground because you're going to see order, and you're going to see just amazing design. Amazing design. Something that, an explosion that scientists tell us happened a long time ago, billions of years ago. An explosion creates chaos. When you blow up a car, what's the result? It's chaos. If something exploded, then it's chaotic. But yet now we look, and the more scientists study, they realize there's such great order in what God has made. There was no explosion. There was no explosion. Whatever you've learned in school, in high school, and college, forget it. Because it's all fallacy. It's all false. God created it in six days. He said what he did, and he meant it, and he did it. And there's proof of it 
all around us, if we're, if we're willing to look at it, if we come at it with open eyes, some of the most brilliant people in the world, the most brilliant people in the world, have come to that same conclusion. And yet there are others in their pride, they refuse to see it. It's like taking the color blue and showing it in front of somebody who's not colorblind. Say, what color is that? Everybody on the planet will say, well, that's, that's blue. It's a, it's, a, it's a hue of blue, but, you know, it's blue. But somebody can be so hardened of heart and look at it and go, no, it's red. Are you colorblind? No, I'm not colorblind. So what color is that? Well, it's red. It's red today. Maybe tomorrow it'll be, tomorrow it's yellow. Yesterday it was orange. It's like, are you kidding me? No, there's absolute truth. We can rest in the finished work of Christ and what the Bible says. And forget everything else. <laughs> forget everything else that you've learned in school concerning science. If it's not based upon the Word of God, dismiss it and rather trust in this rather than what someone tells you. I'll be trusting in Jesus tonight. How about you? Trust Him. So, he says, do not worship these sacred pillars. These are the things the Lord hates. Because God knows they will take you away from the place of blessing. And the greatest place of blessing is to be in his will and to be obedient to what he says. He is the author. He has the rule book. He knows exactly how we're designed. So God is not um, trying to ruin our fun. There may be some fun that you think that you ought to be able to do as a human being. And you know what? You can do it. Go out and have the fun and do exactly what you want to do. But at the end of the day, you're going, to be, you're going to be broken. Your heart is going to be broken. At the end of that fun that you have, you're going to find that you have less friends. You're going to find that you're feeling guilty inside. You may have contracted a disease. And on top of that, you feel lonely and hurt inside. It's emptier more now than you were before you started. But yet you can come to Christ, and he's the one who can fill you. And he's the one who wants to fill you. And you must be filled with the Spirit of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? You must be born again. It's not even a question of, of, of uh, you must be. You must be. It's God's heart for you. It's his will that none should perish, the Bible says, but that all should come to repentance. That just means turning away from my will. My will is deadly. I followed my will for 24 years. For 24 years, I was the guy in control, or at least I thought. I had no way of knowing that God in the background was working. And he's doing the same in your life. And you either can acknowledge it or you can continue in your rebellion. And God will meet you at the other end of your rebellion. And you're going to be more broken and heartbroken then than if you just say, you know what, I believe what you say, Lord. I've tried all the parties. I've tried all the partners. I've tried this. I've tried that. And ultimately, I come, up, I come up empty. I come back confused and more hurt than I. And, and now my life's a complete mess. And God wants to bless you. He wants you to inherit a blessing. That's what he's designed for you, a blessing. And all I have to do is believe and trust in him and obey him. When he says not to do something, I need to, with all my might, I need to turn away from that thing, whatever it is. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. Even with the Spirit of God in me, you know as well as I do, there are things that happen in your life, triggers that happen in your life, old sin habits in your life that are triggered by certain things, and you find yourself tempted right to the edge, and you feel like you're just going to cave right into it, and you hear a small, still, small voice in your head saying, don't do it. 
Don't do it because you know how guilty you're going to feel tomorrow. You know how guilty you're going to feel the moment you commit this sin. Immediately you're going to feel guilty and you're going to know that you've done wrong. Don't even go there. And then when you resist it, the blessing of God comes upon you and you're like, oh God, thank you so much. Living a holy life is a good thing. In our culture, holy is a four-letter word, but it's the best four-letter word because it's sanctification. It's God setting you apart for himself. And I can tell you that there is no greater feeling in the world than to be loved by a holy God who has forgiven you, one who loves you, who knows you perfectly. Give everything up to him. Give everything. Give your whole heart to him. Be like David in Psalm 51. He says, Lord, search me and try me. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. And if you're like me, he doesn't have to search long. But it's good. Give him the keys tonight. Don't, let, don't leave this place until you give him every key to every area of your heart. Because he knows what's best for you. So let's get into chapter 17. So he says, you shall not, let's just read uh, down through uh, verse 13. He says, you shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or a sheep which has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. If there is found among you within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God in transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served, notice, other gods, and worshipped them, either the sun, the moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it is told you, and you hear of it, and then you shall inquire diligently, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has committed that wicked thing, and you shall stone to death that man or woman with stones." And whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony notice of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So, here's the result of it, so you shall put away the evil from among you. And if a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge between degrees of guilt for bloodshed, between one judgment or another, or between punishment or, uh, or another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses, and you shall come to the priests. Notice that. You shall come to the priests, the Levites, and to the judge there in those days, and inquire of them. Notice they shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment, and you shall do according to the sentence which you, they pronounce upon you in that place which the Lord chooses. And you shall be careful, notice, to do according to all that they order you, according to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence which they pronounce upon you. Now the man who acts presumptuously and will not heed the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. So you shall put away the evil from Israel, and all the people shall hear and fear. Notice that. Underline that verse. And all the people shall hear and they will fear and no longer act presumptuously. There's a lot for us to learn there, isn't there, in our culture? Let's go back to verse uh, verse 1. 
And as we look at this, as we look at the beginning of this chapter again, we're going to see some, some prophetic things, and, and we'll look at those in just a moment. But notice, you shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or a sheep which has any blemish or defect, for it is an abomination to the Lord. All of the different feasts and all the different um, sacrifices that the children of Israel had to do, God didn't want the leftovers. He didn't want the ones that were sick out in the field that are breathing their last and somehow have got some kind of disease and they're walking around limping because one leg is shriveled up. God says, you keep those for yourselves. Do whatever you want with those. But when you come to me to offer before me, I want the very best. The very best. Not the leftover. Not the thing that's been used up. The lamb or the ram or the ox that is without blemish, without defect. That's what I want. And why? Because he deserves it. (laughs) It's that simple. God deserves the very best from us. And see, if you're like me, much of my life, I've given the Lord the leftovers. I've given him the leftovers, I'll be honest. There's been times where I've given him what's left instead of giving him the first fruits of my strength, of my life, of my time. Why waste any time? Give him the first fruits of your life now. Some people say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my job at, uh, at this company, and I'm going to make my money, and then I'm going to retire, and then, then I'll serve the Lord. I'll get involved in the church. No, you won't. You won't, because when that time comes, you'll have grandchildren, and all of a sudden, you're going to want to take them places, which is very normal and very natural. Nothing wrong with that. There will always be something that will come up between you and God. Purpose now to do, give your life to him now, whatever way you can. Start now. Baby steps are okay. You don't have to make these grandiose plans where, you know, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and do, you know, whatever. No, you don't have to do that. Be where you're planted and, and serve the Lord in your job. When you're able, share the truth with other people. They need to know it. All these people that you're, you're going to work and you're seeing all these people, I think it's fair to say and probably accurate that most of them don't even know Christ, don't even care to know God. Many of them, their hearts are so hardened that you even mention the name of Jesus and they're going to get upset with you. Make sure you do it on your lunch hour. Make sure you do it in the parking lot before work or after work. Or if they ask you a direct question, bring the light into the situation. Bring the Word of God into the situation. It's very easy to do. It's not hard to do. But do that. But God wants the very best. And the Lord wanted to make sure that they sacrificed the best. And this, is, this challenges us concerning who God is, because is he worth it? Is he worth it? That's a challenge, because we have to answer that question. What is God worth to me? If he really did die on the cross for me, then what is he worth? Let me tell you at least what he's worth. I want you to think about what your life would be like if he, you hadn't given your heart to him. Now, I don't need a show of hands, but if you know you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about because you know that your eternity is set. Even with all your mistakes and all your sin, God is working in your life. But if you don't know Christ, the eternity, the, the eternal reward for rejecting Christ is an eternity separated into a lake of fire that wasn't even created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. There's verses in Revelation we could go to that talk about that. It wasn't created for you and me. It was created for them. But ultimately, that's where anyone who rejects Christ, that's ultimately the, the, the place that they're going to be. Do you understand? That's, that's hell. And it never ends. And it's not a big party. 
You're not going to find your friends there partying. They're going to be in so much torment and they'll have bodies, resurrected bodies, that will be able to withstand the flames of hell forever, for eternity. It'll never end. Think about it. It'll never end. And if that offends you, that's okay. It ought to offend you if you're not a Christian. But there's no good work that you can do that can secure you from that place except giving your heart to Christ. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.